2: Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
0: Joining us right now is Ted Wittenstein, who is. The Yale Jackson School of Global Affairs Executive Director in International Security Studies. He is a lecturer, and he um, he was quoted recently in a really fascinating piece in the Connecticut Mirror about Alexei Navalny's time at Yale, where Ted apparently was a classmate of his years ago, and they became friendly. Uh, Ted Wittenstein, welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show. Hello, and good morning.
3: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: By the way, which Jackson is Jackson named after? That wouldn't be Scoop Jackson, Henry Scoop Jackson, the senator, would it?
3: Wasn't it uh, No, it's not Scoop Jackson. Uh, it's John and Susan Jackson, who are Yale alums and philanthropists and very committed to the study of diplomacy and global affairs at Yale.
0: OK, because you remember Senator Jackson was also committed to that. Remember that? He was very he was. much... A big person on the international. I remember that he was very instrumental in freeing a lot of Soviet Jews from the Soviet Union. He back was in the seventies. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Uh, he
3: was, and he represented a kind of interventionist, liberal, democratic form of foreign policy that still resonates today.
0: So may I call you Ted? Because I'll continue to mispronounce your last name. May I call you Ted?
3: Please, Ted okay. is great.
0: Okay, so, Ted, uh, tell me about how you got to know. Well, let's back up. Let's just educate ourselves. Why do we care about Alexei Navalny? Why was he so important?
3: Well, he was an inspirational and courageous figure. He came to represent much more than his own domestic political opposition to Mr. Putin in Russia, but he really was an advocate for reform and a different future for the Russian people. And he became widely popular both within Russia as well as globally as a, an advocate for change. And I think his message and legacy are, are really live on beyond him. And you can see the mobilization that has happened uh, in his organization and in Russia uh, even since uh, what we know now to be his his murder. So uh, he does represent, I think, a different future, a different trajectory for Russia and the Russian people. And this is why his message resonates so much.
0: So about three years ago, he was in exile. I'm not exactly sure how or why that was, but he was outside of Russia. And he entered Russia knowing, knowing, that he would likely be imprisoned and possibly tortured yes. and even killed. And yet he did that. What was that about?
3: Well, I think he, as a representative of the opposition in Russia, and as a foe of Mr. Putin, did not think that he could be outside of the country and still encourage people to take risks though Russia is, of course, a very authoritarian, repressive society that has become even more so since its disastrous war in Ukraine and the domestic opposition in Russia to the war in Ukraine. So any resistance to Mr. Putin or any speaking ill of the government puts you at grave personal risk. And so Alexei Navalny, in his effort to organize the opposition, didn't think that he could ask people to risk themselves if he himself wasn't willing to pay potentially the ultimate price. You mentioned that he was outside of Russia at the time, and it's actually uh, an interesting and tragic story. He was the victim of an assassination attempt oh, right. with a banned right. Russian chemical weapons nerve agent called Novichok, and it happened to him on a plane, and the plane was diverted to Berlin, Germany, where he miraculously survived this attack and was in a Berlin hospital. And that was the time, actually, that I was last in communication with him, and he told me that he would not play armchair quarterback. That was his phrase to me. Um, And I think it shows you how he thought about being a dissident uh, in exile in the West. He didn't think that he could do that as a leader in Russia. And also when he said armchair quarterback, he was hearkening back to his time on the Yale campus. So you mentioned that I knew him yes. in 2010. And so I actually have fond memories of attending Yale football games with him, teaching him the rules of American football. And so when he said armchair quarterback, he was referencing how he had learned the rules with me, uh, you know, some 14 years ago at that point. So it's a tragic story but i think his legacy lives on he was an inspirational courageous figure and his family has many of those same traits so his wife yulia navalnaya and his She's daughter so dasha navalnaya uh, they've the been in the amazing. news uh, oh,
0: the mother the mother really is insisting amazing. on the body she carried on she finally got the body she got it
3: i know and again even that sort of Small victory of getting the body, right? It shows you how their opposition movement is very coordinated, very savvy with social media, and how they advocate for change. And obviously, Russia likely, I'm sure, preferred to sweep this under the under the rug and, and never uh, show the body or never create a grave site that could be a source of further mobilization and, and protest. But that was a small victory, and it does show that even a closed regime like Russia is still very sensitive to political and social pressure, and there are fissures in the Putin regime. That We've seen develop, uh, particularly since the war in Ukraine. And Navalny, I think, really represented that. And this is why he was such a threat to Russia.
0: We're talking with uh, Ted Wittenstein of Yale, who knew Alexei Navalny when he spent about six months here. What was Alexei Navalny doing here at the time? How old was he? What was he studying? What was he doing?
3: So he was in his mid 30s at the time, early to mid 30s. He was selected in 2010 to be what we call a Yale World Fellow. These are mid career up-and-coming leaders from around the world across the nonprofit, private, public sectors of multiple countries. About a dozen of them are selected through a highly competitive process. They spend a semester with their families on the Yale campus, interacting with faculty and students and their fellow colleagues in the program, and it just sort of helps take some time away and build a social network and think about next steps in your career. And this was very helpful for Alexei Navalny at the time. He had made a name for himself, but he was not a very well-known figure either domestically within Russia or certainly globally, he was a well-known anti-corruption advocate and investigator. He was an attorney uh, with a financial background, and he had proven to be very savvy at exposing Russian corruption in a number of state-owned enterprises and businesses. But when he connected with faculty and his fellow colleagues in the World Fellows Program, it really helped him think more deeply about about how to galvanize social opposition, how to build networks that can challenge authoritarian leaders, and he really left that program and went on you know, to make a real noticeable impact both mm-hmm. within Russia and around the world, and he came to represent much more than himself personally, although he was personally a very charismatic, uh, visionary uh, leader, wonderful sense of humor. But it was a transformational moment for him and his family at Yale. It wasn't just an appreciation for Yale University that he gained, but it was a respect for the value of American higher education, for Western values of of human rights and democracy and respect for minority groups. And these are all concepts that he sought to apply in the Russian context after he left his time uh, on the Yale campus.
1: One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes.
3: Nice dress. Uh, It's a it's a T-shirt.
1: Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care.
2: down. So to help us,
3: we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So,
2: Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash
1: switch. $45 upfront front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Was
0: he here with his wife, Julia?
3: Yes, he was here with Yulia and his children, who were very young at the time. And Yulia has always been, you know, molded with him. They are partners in this uh, very difficult uh, strategic goal of exposing corruption in Russia, of holding the Putin regime accountable, of challenging this authoritarian system. And they're very much a team. So I I am not surprised to see his wife, Yulia, sort of assume the mantelpiece uh, in Alexei's passing. And I was pleased that President Biden uh, met with her and their daughter, Dasha, out in San Francisco uh, earlier this week. So uh, they are a very important symbol, but they are more than just symbol. They are actively involved in bringing global awareness to the authoritarian repression In Russia, uh, at grave personal risk to themselves.
0: Yeah, and she's a great beauty too. She photographs extremely well. She's a
3: beautiful woman. She's very charismatic, she's very dynamic, she is a, a very talented leader in her own right. And they were very much a team. And I think, uh, you know, they represent everything that Mr. Putin is not. And I think this is why they are such a threat to him, right? They are beloved, they're respected, they're brave, they desire uh, a future for the Russian people that does not personally enrich themselves. And so these concepts are just alien to the Putin regime. And this is why there's such a threat to him.
0: But it doesn't seem like we're chatting with Ted Wittenstein of Yale. It doesn't seem as if, at least from what I've read, that Yulia has any intention of setting foot in Russia. She may try and be that armchair quarterback
3: for as long as she can.
0: I don't know, but that's the, the well. Tenor you may of what be I'm right reading. about that. Hmm?
3: Yeah, I, she is not currently in Russia. I don't think. Uh, I don't know their plans about the future of Russia. There is plenty that can be done to galvanize opposition uh, from outside of the country at the moment. And you saw by the advocacy campaign that she launched just in terms of getting access uh, to Alexei's body uh, through his own mother, that they were able to mobilize using social media, using other advocacy techniques, and they were able to pressure the regime. So these are one small victory at a time, and it just demonstrates that Mr. Putin is not an invincible figure and that many of his moves often do seem to backfire against him. So the war in Ukraine has created a lot of domestic opposition to his rule within Russia Uh, when he does eliminate opposition leaders. He often does not. Crush the opposition. He often does the opposite, right? By galvanizing people uh, and making them yearn for a brighter future. So that does not mean change in Russia is imminent by any means. But the concepts that Navalny and his family represent, uh, I think, will live on much longer than uh, Mr. Putin himself as we look to the long term and the future of that country.
0: There have always been rumors. We're chatting with Ted Wittenstein of Yale that Putin has cancer. Does he have cancer?
3: Well, I don't know anything that you do. Uh don't know about his health. There's always speculation about his health and the pictures, and he has become much more sensitive about the way that he is uh, photographed and portrayed in video. Uh, and he has no doubt become far more isolated and paranoid since COVID. I think that has accelerated Uh, A lot of his paranoia about Russia's role in the world, the circle of people around him who would know a question like you just asked has really shrunk. Mm. So he's getting very little sources of outside counsel or advice, and he's not surrounded by anyone who feels safe anymore personally to challenge his authority or decisions. And in authoritarian systems, we often have that situation that develops over time. Uh, The regime becomes so centralized that it is unable to accept any advice or views out of line with that of the ruler. And so you've seen a lot of missteps by Mr. Putin uh, that I think have resulted from this shrinking inner circle. Well, so we I mean, don't know I'm... what his health uh, yeah. actually is, but I think the point is that those around him, his own health, the news that he's getting, uh, it is increasingly uh, shrinking down. He is 71 years of age uh, and uh, You know, for the foreseeable time in his lifetime, I think he will remain in power. But it's hard to see what a future is uh, beyond him. And I think that's what Navalny was able to articulate.
0: Uh, Ted Wittenstein, thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully we'll have you back again from the Jackson School of Global Affairs at Yale, the executive director of the International Security Studies Program. Thank you so much for coming on.
3: My pleasure. Thank you for having me Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter.
0: Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at lisa at lisawexler.com.